up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert photos, album reviews, band interviews, and so much more. And with me, as always, is Mr. Daniel Terry. How are you doing this early afternoon? I'm doing good, man. I'm basking in the Norma Jean episode that we just posted. Holy shit. I'm, yeah, that's that thing kind of blew up like hot fire. As opposed, to, as opposed to cold fire, but... <laughs> yeah, it was uh, pleasantly surprised to see uh, a couple of the websites pick up on it, especially Alt Press. Um, as of when we're recording this, uh, whenever you hear this, we, uh, we've we only made Alt Press once, and that was with the Brandon Chepetti episode uh, from Bleeding Through about a year ago. About a year or so ago at this point. Um, so much love to Alt Press, much love to PRP. Uh, I've seen it pop up on a couple of other ancillary things, I think, but... Uh, those are really the only uh, two that I, I've I've actually seen that aren't just basically reposting from you know the PRP. Right. Yeah, I thought that was cool, and I, I always love reading the comments on all that stuff. You know, it doesn't matter how big the band is. There's always some asshole in the comments that's like, "Who? Right? Who? Who's that band?" And uh, I always got I got a kick out of that. And uh, I was actually surprised that Corey himself actually listened to the episode after it was done, which was cool. Yeah, um, I ended up uh, sending Corey a text, and it was just like, hey, thanks for doing everything again, and uh, da-da-da, and then when things got picked up, I was like, hey, you know, sorry for catching any shit from this, and, uh, you know, I've shared those texts with uh, Dan, and it seems like, you know, by all accounts, everything's on the up and up, he's totally fine with everything, he, you know, thought it was a good time, and had encouraging words to say, basically, uh, making the comment, um, you guys are good, though, this podcast is gonna do really well, I think you guys, quote-unquote, get it. Uh, and then offer to even help us get Josh uh, Skogan uh, from 68 X Chariot uh, X Norma Jean, uh, based on Dan's you know sentiment of like oh who is there left to get oh you know Josh from <laughs> 68 is about the last one so uh, I think in light of the last time somebody loosely connected to Josh was on this I, I think it'd be much better to uh, you know have someone who had a positive experience uh, come on to right the show we'll put and... him on the we'll put him on the on the list of we'll talk to again. <laughs> yeah, no, most <laughs> most definitely. Uh, it's funny you actually say the, the we'll talk to again. Uh, I sent a tweet out to uh, Phil from All the Remains because uh, they're going to be in town in about a week and a half. And I was like, yo, uh, you ready for round three? And he goes, sure. So I'm uh, interested Yeah, I'll have to, to see... call in on that one, yeah. I'll have to see what uh, what kind of things we get into on that one. Uh, much to a lot of people's uh, chagrins, possibly. I, uh, I do prep quite a bit uh, for interviews, but I, I don't really do it until about maybe – the day before where I start kind of formulating everything. Um, and, you know, I think that was kind of the fun thing about the interview I did with Dan, with Corey from Norma Jean, was just simply the fact that, you know, I didn't really have anything prepped. I kind of knew a couple of questions I wanted to ask, but I was going to follow more of Dan's lead, being more of a lifelong fan. Uh, but no, this episode is with uh, Trenton Woodley and Alexander Pearson's vocalist and rhythm guitar player uh, for Hands Like Houses. Uh, this is kind of interesting. You know, we've had a little bit of international flavor on the podcast as of late you know having people from australia uh we went to and this is going to be kicking off basically the sonic temple festival stuff that we did now we did this before sonic temple festival ended up running uh but just in light of not knowing how many interviews we were going to kind of get at this thing i kind of wanted to hold on to this as a sort of some of the actual sonic temple stuff and being able to talk about their set and so forth um so this was done here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, on the first date of their tour uh, that they were doing leading up to their festival appearances, and uh, I thought it was kind of fun. I mean, getting to talk to people who aren't from the States is, is kind of interesting, especially in the rock world, because, you know, they just have a completely different perspective on, on our world and, you know, the experiences of having to break into the, you know, the quote-unquote mainstream of U.S. rock and roll and so forth. It, it, I feel like it's just harder, because, I mean, coming all the way from Australia, I, I can't imagine just the 
I mean, we talked about it in the King Parrot episode, but I can't imagine just the adversities one has to go through just to fucking get here to play your shows. Is it just me, or do Australian bands just sound like they have more fun? Uh, like, you know, all the American bands we talked to, it's not taking them for granted. I love American bands, obviously, but, like, uh, Australian bands, they always just seem like they're there to party. And um, American bands are just like, this song is about a very dark time in my life where I, you know, like, it's it's fine. Like, it's not like their feelings aren't legitimate. But I just never get that out of Australian bands. Where I was like, oh, my God, we're just so stoked to be here. And uh, it's so much fun. And, and I think, yeah, and that that is a credit to what you're saying. It's like, yeah, of course they're stoked to be here because, like, it's really fucking hard to get over here and, and play sold-out shows. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it uh it was kind of funny because like when Damon's checking out this episode, he was just like, they made a Norma Jean reference, which is kind of the other fitting part about posting this episode. You know, a couple episodes after the Norma Jean episode at this point, and was like, I, I maybe it's me. Do you hear the Norma Jean reference or influences? Yeah, I definitely don't hear it, but uh, you know, I don't know. We, I, I'm not one to sit there and be like, oh yeah, that guitar tone sounds like track four on the Anti Mother or whatever. You know, like I, I'm just not that guy, but uh. You know, it's it is interesting to hear that you know with a band that sounds like them to to throw Norma Jean out as a, as an early reference was uh, was kind of cool. Definitely perked my interest uh, during the interview. Yeah, but this was a kind of fun loose chat. I had never really seen the band. My wife had uh, kind of gotten into them a little bit before they started coming over here, and they do remind me of a couple of other bands. Um, you know, not. And there's nothing really you can say about that. Like they sound how they sound, and I do enjoy it. But it was kind of cool because like you know, kind of inside baseball here. The show wasn't really that packed uh, at all. You know, they're playing a small, like, 400-cap room, and I, I would want to say maybe it was a little under half full. Um, but there was something that was really cool about it because completely opposite of that was how my Sonic Temple experience was. Like, I kind of went into it going, like, oh, you know, maybe that that shift in, you know, being an Australian band and, and Grand Rapids not really, you know, we're in the Midwest, and maybe, you know, their music just hasn't caught on here yet. And, you know, I've seen that plenty of times. Like, you know, how many stories do you hear of bands like, oh, I saw this band play to, like, nobody. And then, you know, the next couple of times they came through, like, oh, okay, now they're playing, you know, arenas or whatever. Um, actually, the only band I can really think of that is uh, 21 Pilots. I remember seeing them play in that exact same room, and now they're playing, you know, arenas, and it's really weird. I remember seeing 30 Seconds to Mars when their first album came out. And they, they were opening for Incubus, and everybody was pretty much flipping them off and booing them the whole time. Oh, see, I had the opposite experience. My wife and I, before I even knew her, went to the same show. They were opening for Cold when Cold was doing, like, the weird storytellers thing for uh, Year of the Spider. Like, Year of the Spider hadn't come out yet, and so they were playing the whole record and then explaining each song uh, and so forth. But 30 Seconds to Mars was opening up, and there was, including my friend and I and my wife, maybe 20 of us in the crowd total for the whole show. So to say that I saw, you know, 30 Seconds to Mars played literally in front of nobody, uh, to now seeing them where they are, it's like, wow, that's weird. You'd think the Jared Leto effect would at least put some butts in the seat. I, to be completely honest, at that point, I didn't know that he was even in the band. I didn't, I knew nothing about the band. Oh, yeah. Well, their first record is amazing, but, you know, that's a different topic for a different time. For a different podcast. Um, <laughs> but it, it's one of those things, like, uh, I wasn't sure, you know, going into Sonic Temple Festival, what I would expect from these guys. And I got to say, like, the thing I was really noticing on this year's Sonic Temple Festival is how much European bands there were. Like, there, I mean, between Don Broco, uh, Hands Like Houses, Glass Houses, um, oh, fuck, Refused, uh, 
the hives like there were so many bands that you know just basically were from a lot of different not from here in the states and it turned into a thing where i just kind of realized that and you know the thing that was even crazier was just like how the anticipation for all these bands was just huge like don broco went over really well hands like houses went over really well actually their sound made them sound more heavier than they were when i saw them at this at a small club show and you know a lot of people walked away being very you know if they weren't already fans of the band they were definitely fans and talking about them after their set i mean they just pull you in they make you have fun and there's just no way around it like i mean they are a good time they know how to like play to a crowd big or small and they know how to make everyone feel wanted and to feel a part of the show and i mean i think that's the universal thing about music and that's really great and uh, i would definitely if they come around go see them that's as good as any let's uh let's just go ahead and get into my conversation with trent and alexander of hands like houses and we'll talk to you afterwards So I have the uh, pleasure of this early, still kind of before afternoon, actually, it I think. It feels like morning for us. We got off a plane yesterday and... Uh, 1 p.m. <laughs> wait, was it yesterday? Uh, no, day before. See? Already. <laughs> I'm sure once you're kind of in this, it just feels like a, a, you know, just in your own bubble. What is the time of day? What is a uh, time? It what is, is 1.05 right now. What is time? What is time? It is a concept. But I have the pleasure of talking to uh, Trenton Woodley and Alex Pearson, uh, vocalist and guitarist, respectively, for Hands Like Houses, whose latest album, Anon, is out now via Hopeless Records. How are you two doing, besides being jet lagged? Respectively. (laughs) Yes, I'm doing well. I'm getting there. (laughs) So you are now the second band from Australia I've gotten to talk to, uh, the first being Matt Young from King Parrot. And (laughs) it's uh, quite a bit diverse. Definitely, uh, definitely. opposite ends of a scale <laughs> but what's kind of interesting to me and something i, I kind of like to talk to you about some people who are not from here in the states is just kind of geographically how that has shaped and affected your band and i kind of wanted to start off by asking you know for those who may not be aware australia is a, is a big continent and yes. as such it's really hard to tour uh even within your own area but on top of that as well as getting out uh, because of just the financials associated with it. With you guys and the kind of the distinct sound that you have and have crafted over the last, you know, almost 10 years now, have you, do you feel that kind of being landlocked, for lack of a better term, has kind of made you hone in more on your sound as opposed to being able to just play and play and play? I think so. I, I know for the first kind of, what, 18 months after I joined the band, we are pretty much riding solidly. I mean that was it was I guess it was eighteen months before we went in the studio proper, which was about that. It was all yeah. two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, I guess the first couple of months of two thousand and ten we started. Um, There's a lot of writing in in, in Australia, yeah. obviously, and, and not I, much yeah. American exposure necessarily. Yeah, and we did a handful of local shows and stuff, just kind of feeling things out as you kind of need to do. Um, and obviously, you know, we were young and thought we were awesome, and obviously had a lot to learn still but um I, th- I think we just you know we needed to kind of feel those things out so we played a bunch of shows in canberra um one or two sydney things but mostly it was just kind of figuring out who we were as a band before we really threw ourselves into you know trying to be what that band looked like At, well do you have anything to add to that uh, i was just going to say that i think uh, it does to a certain extent 
Um, our sound kind of, I guess, diversified once we started touring heavily as well. Uh, there was a lot of kind of recognition, of, and this is not necessarily just because of America or Australia. It could be like it's a global thing of when you start playing live, uh, you realize what connects with people. So then I think that started playing. That's probably the heaviest factor in like, I guess, determining our music because you don't want something that just is boring to play 30 nights in a row or something. You know what I mean? You want some sort of engagement as well. Absolutely. And it's kind of interesting to kind of think of the way, you know, I'm almost 35 now and I remember when the internet wasn't what it is now, music wasn't readily accessible to get into a band like him or some of these other foreign bands, it cost an arm and a leg to get any of the music here imported. And as such, you know, a lot of, it's interesting to think of the fact that you all can live so far away, but get all the up and coming bands that have been around because of Apple Music, Spotify and so forth. But kind of also thinking about what would be your local scene and how that is shaping you, like some of the bands that maybe you're looking up to that no one will ever know of. Yeah. I think it's Australia's, um, in terms of where guitar music is at, like radio-wise, um, there seems to be this thing at the moment of like, as soon as you start playing guitar, like the radio just switches off for you. Like it's not a, aside from... the mainstream radio. I mean, triple, we have Triple J, which is like this kind of uniquely... Uh, independent, like in, independent of, it's, it's mainstream like, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like it, it's a like I guess nationally funded uh, youth radio station um, that just has you know that's obviously got a lot of yeah. guitar heavy stuff, but it tends to be more punk and garage type thing at the moment. Yeah, um, that's, that's that's sort of where I was going. It seems to be like this kind of um, I guess like uh, more like nineties esque influence uh coming through in some like australian rock music which is a really nice thing especially for us what we've listened to like what we gravitate towards as well so that's like its own kind of insular i hope it breaks out of australia but as odd as it sounds with kind of the 90s being in resurgence right now is a band like silver chair still is like huge over there yeah like a big influence on a lot of bands definitely i mean i mean they've they'd be a great example of how bands go through their own changes evolving their sound as well um they started off as a very like grunge band nirvana-esque obviously and then their most recent stuff has been this sort of like cold play pop not not for a bad thing either it's just um they've kind of been through everything in between which is nice it's been interesting to see i know their singer was doing some like piano based driven stuff yeah and playing in front of thousands and i was like holy shit <laughs> he's, an, he's an interesting he's guy from all accounts of what i've heard yeah um kind of fo- shifting the focus a little bit but kind of you know being that you're from australia and, and there's a huge cost and a lot of like visa issues and so forth that it takes to, to tour abroad at all does that make you really fine-tune the tours you're going to pick and not just take any offer that's given to you absolutely (laughs) that is a big fat yes (laughs) um yeah i mean you know we've got to make things tenable like you know what i mean like this band could be a money pit if we really wanted it to be um just because yeah you know i mean we love playing shows like the two things that we do in this band that are the reason we do it are playing shows and writing music and you know that's that would be very easy to, you know, just throw everything out, except for the fact that we've been doing this for 10 years. Most of us, uh, you know, have side gigs, but they're very much side gigs. And it's just kind of, I think, getting to that point in our lives where it's like, 
we all want to be smarter about how we work. And I mean, that, I think that's the thing in any business. Like once you got to get the hang of it, it's like, all right, you need to stop working quite so hard and start working smarter. And that just gives you, I think it makes you appreciate your work more. And I think for us, um, we certainly enjoy what we do more now that we're able to kind of be a bit more selective in what we're doing, partially out of necessity, but also just it does, you know, create a certain type of, I guess, lifestyle, but also work ethic in what you're doing and just kind of, you know, creating that balance is, uh, you know, makes for a healthier band and a healthier business. <laughs> Definitely. Mental, mental health can be uh, a really important thing in terms of like uh, touring choices as well just kind of keeping morale up and if you just yeah. go at anything and everything then it's just it burned you out real quick yeah <laughs> it's yeah. doable but yeah as, as we have experienced at certain points <laughs> kind of interestingly shifting gears again your last album cycle for a dissonant i feel like it was an interesting record in conjunction with the rest of the the four albums you've put out at this point in approach sound and all that kind of stuff but it also seemed to be the first where you really just toured into the ground, from my perspective as yeah. a fan. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I reckon... I'm trying to think of like what tours we, um, like what ones we did, because at this point it's sort of, there's kind of a blur from, I don't know. I, I would what... say, I don't know, for me it feels like it was during the Unimagined cycle that we were touring the hardest. Jimmy and I talked, our sound guy, we were talking last night about um, there was one point uh, and it was during the unimagined cycle where we had like four months of touring straight like we did like uh, an American run into some UK run back into an American run into some Australian headline and it was just like this psycho point of, that was of probably, everything but that was that while we were recording dissonance because that was like it that was a year been, where yeah. we had like 11 months out of 12 on the road yeah like, or, or in the studio and it was just it was chaos it was a five, it was a five month <laughs> stint in that where we went I, I think when months. we when we got around to dissonance maybe we just chose like smart potentially bigger look tours so then it looks like you're kind of touring pretty heavily as well I, I saw mean, I'm people sh- ask me all the time just like oh so like how long are you home for I'm like I've been home for like four months so. yeah. <laughs> it's rad but <laughs> there's sort of an expectation that we're touring kind of, all the time yeah. but it's not necessarily your friends stop calling you to hang out <laughs> <laughs> Looking at, I mean, the band always kind of has been rooted, and this is more I would go uh, to you lyrically, has always kind of been rooted in a lot of, um, a lot of themes, a lot of lyrical themes, a lot of to take in, and as such, you know, looking at, it doesn't seem like any, everything is done for a reason. So even going back to your album covers and so forth, especially for this one, for and on, you know, choosing a chrysalis uh, as your album cover and it kind of made me wonder with the album name itself is it more the safety of being kind of anonymous to create and as such then when you're ready to release this thing or this rebirth of sorts that's kind of what causes it just kind of the the anonymity maybe of of being able to create um i don't know i don't know if it's necessarily a safety thing because i think that in a lot of ways like I think it's more just an objective statement of, look, this is what it is, this is what it is in this moment in time. And I think that, you know, that was the, for me, that was the idea of the chrysalis that was quite, you know, appropriate for what we were talking about. Because, you know, we, we, knew, we knew that what we created would probably be, you know, it would make, it absolutely makes sense in the journey and the context. And I think it's taken, you know, it just took a little bit of time for people to kind of understand that context because, you know, it seemed like it was going in one particular direction and then it didn't. And, um, 
but it still makes sense as part of a journey and I think for us it was kind of that's what it was about it was about you know a, you know chrysalis isn't just I mean I guess it is a safety thing but it's like it's it is something that is just a, a, a temporary stage and it's like you know if, you'd, if you'd never seen a butterfly before you'd never know what a chrysalis was or was going to be right. you just had that's what it was and I mean you look at something like the one that we had on the cover and that's like a pretty amazing thing for just a shell for you know a, yeah a couple of days a couple of weeks however long it is that it you know that it takes so I don't know I, for me I think it was just a representation of that you know that momentary nature of I mean music is a momentary art form like it is something that is so contemporary in reflecting a moment in time like it is specifically a recording of a specific moment in time when those sound waves were captured and then you know manipulated and created and that's no, no, that's for me, that's the beauty of music, is that it is so contemporary and it's always a stage on the way to something else. Like our music is a step towards, you know, hopefully some other band doing their thing and then that influencing someone else and then, you know, piece by piece, that's how the music evolves. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, kind of backtracking a little bit, something kind of weird with how many spaces you can find music. You know, it's not just available on Spotify. It exists on YouTube. It exists all over these places. And as such, sometimes I feel like there's a handful of places where track listings either have something added to it, and I, I never am sure if that's just some user creating something new or a label putting one form of content somewhere and not, you know, universally putting it everywhere. But as such, on, uh, oh, what was it? Oh, Unimagined. Um, you had, like, secondary song titles. Oh, we, we, we had uh, Reimagine. Reimagine. We had Reimagine. But then, and see, this is where I was... Oh, wait, no, Unimagined did, yeah. Yeah, because you had, like, so developments, Unseen, and then basically everything was, like, Unseen, Unwinding, on. Un oh, this was to, co to connect with the Unseen. <laughs> I feel like Trenton has a lot of these, uh, like, this would be a cool idea, and then someone asked him about it, he's like, huh? Like, what? No, so was, <laughs> I'd forgotten I'd done that on that one, but, it was, I mean, it was, it was literally more of an artwork thing. Like, I don't think, like, we've never thought of it, those titles. I think it was just... Uh, I think I, I remember growing up uh, Norma Jean in particular I think um, I think it was on their Oh God The Aftermath album right. very different from us obviously but I grew up on a lot of that sort of stuff um, and I think that idea just of having like a secondary title like a subtitle to be able to enhance the meaning and you know reflect something in the song like I think you know in, in the case of Unimagine um, I think for me it was just about like you know, obviously it was if I tried to have like an un word right. in the lyrics of every song on that album. And I think I got there. There was maybe one that was missing. I can't I, remember. Not that I recall. But I feel I like was, there was one. I was like, oh shit, whoops. Well, I was going <laughs> to say, yeah. then you kind of even extending that kind of concept into Reimagine, where you again had different ancillary titles for that as well. And it kind of made me wonder if initially you doing that on Unimagine was kind of the whole there was a theme kind of beforehand in that reimagine was gonna was already a thought that was gonna happen just a matter of execution so it was kind of setting all of that up yeah i mean <laughs> you're laughing like, yeah no, no definitely it was, <laughs> yes that's exactly what we thought of course we are so smart definitely not a forward thinking thing with it like oh we're gonna do acoustic ep and then we can do re everything but then again and it was kind of one of those ideas that came about just like organically it was just like had the initial idea of like oh well 
this makes sense. And even then, since then, I mean, we could very easily do Resonance or Renown or something like that, which, yeah. you know, Renown. if, we, if yeah. we got around to actually doing more acoustic stuff, which people ask us all the time, and it's just, well, alternative versions of songs, I should say, rather than acoustic, but um, it's just a lot of time that we, you know, haven't necessarily had between touring and kind of home time to, you know, fighting that in-between period and without, right, like, it's either, you know, make acoustic stuff or, like, reimagine some of our stuff. Or we just write new tunes, and I think the priority is going to be on new tunes for a little while. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was just one of those ideas that kind of just, I don't know, just came together. As, and it, you know, the whole thing of the UN in Unimagined was about that you can flip things upside down and it still looks the same. On like, doing. Sorry. I said kind of. Well, I was latching onto the fact you said on, so I was going to say yeah. basically undoing <laughs> something, the opposite. Yeah, I'm just trying. Yeah, no, man. I was trying to roll on with that, but I fucked it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. Um, yeah, because, you know, the, the idea of that logo is it's the same upside down and then the whole thing of that album is about perspective of, you know, you can look at things from different perspectives, different, you know, emotional perspectives and kind of exploring that full spectrum and it's like the, the truth of things is kind of in the middle somewhere and that was kind of the idea of just by turning things upside down and flipping things back and forth, you can kind of figure out what it is and that, I, I think that's been, an, I guess, a, an ongoing theme for us lyrically as well. Um, I think there's an element of that in dissonance and, and on as well. I was going to make a real bad joke that you were the inspiration for Get Out then, with the Upside Down. Sorry? Get Out, the Jordan Peele movie. Oh, uh, I've, seen, I've seen that movie. Have you seen his new one? Yeah. Is it terrifying? No. Oh. But I'm going to tell you this. Uh, if you haven't gathered from some of my questions, I'm someone who kind of tries to really find varying viewpoints of, of asking maybe the same questions. So as such, I went into that movie looking for things that I didn't catch on the first time of like watching Get Out where people are like, oh, did you notice this? Did you notice these things that are in the background? Just little clues. Yeah. So I was trying to pay attention to everything. And as such, it was funny because I went with two of my friends to go see it and we all noticed completely different things that the other one didn't. Oh, really? And then uh, in talking to uh, Porter McKnight from Atreyu, because I saw he had just seen it, so I like texted him. I was like, what did you think? I got to talk about this with somebody else. Yeah. It's, like, it's one of those that like the more you think, the more you just keep unraveling things. And he sent me this Reddit thread, which there were things, and then we saw it like the day it came out. And oh, there was wow. just a slew of Reddit shit where someone's like, well, did you notice this? And the illusions from this to this and all this oh shit. And I was like, God. what the fuck? Yeah. And it's either he is so such a like craftful person and the like most minute detail is thought out, which wouldn't surprise me. But there's just so much where you're like, either we are all just so far overreaching yeah. for yeah. shit, or... It can be nice when that's, that sort of stuff happens, and I think that applies to some... I feel like Reddit uh, is the world's greatest repository of obscure information. <laughs> and opinion. It's obscure, like, it's just a bit of obscurity in general. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a funny place. It's an easy, easy hole to get into. I feel like you just start going... But it is, it is interesting to see different perspectives on literally the exact same thing, yeah. yeah. And some people do just gravitate towards, like, picking apart everything or taking, like, every minutiae. detail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I do want to go watch that movie. I will definitely say... I just wanted say, to drop the word, minutiae. I, yeah, I think it's a better... I think it's a better shared experience. Okay. I think there are some movies that they're fine by themselves, but, like I said, I'm glad I had two other people to bounce stuff off of because when they said, like, oh, I noticed this, and I was like, I didn't fucking notice that at all. Like, and we all were watching, like I said, watching the exact same thing. So it's just interesting 
to to notice that and i think that's kind of an interesting thing that being in my you know almost mid-30s now i don't feel like we take in shared experiences anymore i feel like everyone's such a let's tailor everything to my own world what i like exactly the way i want it and so to to see something like that i think is a disservice to not really take it in with other people to yeah. really have forward-thinking conversations afterward yeah well this definitely means this is um, cemented that i have to go and say it now yeah. <laughs> And then I'll tweet you and be like, all right, this is what I think. You even got me mildly curious and I just don't do... The score like, The score cho- choices too were interesting. Oh, really? Uh, so I would definitely say like a theater experience would be really cool because then you'll be able to kind of take in more of it like as in an audio, yeah. uh, oral kind of sense, like completely in, engulfed in it as opposed to just on a computer or something. Yeah. Um, so, Jordan Peele, <laughs> so you owe me money. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of speaking to, to diverse things, actually... Uh, you guys are getting ready to play Sonic Temple Festival here in the next like yeah, month yeah. or so? Yes, correct. Sorry, that's just got to be one of the coolest uh, festival names in the entire world. Like Sonic Temple. I wish I'd thought of that as like a band name or something like that. It's one of those ones where it's just like, isn't that already a thing? You know what I mean? Like, when, you know you've had a good name when you have that feeling of like, isn't that already a thing? But then you look everywhere and it's not. Yeah. I see the cult is going around. Like they're playing a show here like at an off date of that or to it or after it or whatever. And they're calling it the Colt Sonic Temple, like as if that's what the show or the the couple the tour is. And gotcha. I was like, son of a bitch! I can't think of a better tour name either. Like yeah. for especially a band like the Colt, where it's like, yeah, yeah okay. It's cool. It's very cool. Um, Sorry to detract okay. from wherever you were going. What was your? You oh, had, I was just going to say, you know, thought. you guys are playing probably the the most diverse lineup like out of the days of that festival like everything else is kind of more straight ahead rock but i mean there's bands like you guys pussy riot uh ghost i mean the diversity in bands on that day is really interesting and just kind of wanted to speak to that and who are you excited to, to actually see um on uh, on our day there's i think Meshuggah plays our day yep. uh, i think circus of five plays our day um, i haven't actually checked fully which days which maybe it's Corn. I had a brief look. I think Corn might be one Korn of the top ones. Corn is not on Sonic Temple. That's oh, not okay. Maybe that's I one because there's three different ones that we're doing. So yeah. like each. Yeah, you got three different well, three of those styles. Yeah. So what as well, but um, very similar but very different lineups. But I really wanted to see. I think Incubus is playing. I think uh, they played last year. I think we should probably double check, do our homework. Uh, I mean, Foo Fighters is definitely, but they're not playing our day, so... Nope. Well, as I say, are you guys actually staying for... Because I know sometimes uh, they'll... I think we might be staying for at least part of day two. Um, I may have to duck out to LA to do some uh, stuff in the studio. Yeah. On the way home, yeah. which would kind of rule out seeing pretty much anything other than the Friday, but... Because um, we fly out... I would love out to see Foo Fighters on, on Sunday, I think it is. Yeah, but yeah, Sunday, we, have, we have to fly out by then, because we have shows back in Australia on the Thursday after that. So, it's... Uh, and we lose a day going back as well, so we leave on, you know, leave, leave on Sunday, land Tuesday, show Thursday. It's a snowball effect, so yeah. I can't imagine, I, doing a flight like that kind of would freak me out, like in the little bit of traveling I've been doing, like going from here to the, all the way to the west coast, Whole was way. just a nightmare. <laughs> That's what we had coming over, we, we flew obviously Canberra, Sydney, Canberra and Sydney, uh, then down to Melbourne, and then Melbourne to LA, LA to Detroit. And it's LA just, from it's, it's more of, more frustrating than anything. Like it's yeah. not like fears of flying. It's not feeling well. It's feeling uncomfortable in the fact that you're just sitting in a seat for yeah. a four-hour flight hours. after a thirteen-hour flight. It just feels like 
don't yeah, know. That was like the toughest one. Getting off, <laughs> getting off the first plane, well, second plane, I guess, is feels great. And you're like, all right, we're nearly... Oh, shit. Four hours. four hours is just long enough. You know what I mean? Like an hour and a half doesn't... It feels like, okay, it's just a little hot, but four hours is just... Cool, well, I did all my sleeping on the last one. Now what? Yeah, it was frustrating. <laughs> what do you do on a 13-hour flight? Uh, you watch a lot of movies. Uh, lots and lots and lots of movies. Uh, yep. Or depending on... I think the frustrating thing for me was when we left... Like, we left camera at, like, say, 9 o'clock in the morning. And so by the time we finally got to L.A., my body was like, now it's sleep time. But I just sat on a plane for 13 hours. So it wasn't like... We tried to time it. It's perfect when we leave America because it always seems to be, like, a 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock flight out. Um, so you get on the plane, fall asleep, and then you land in Australia. And you're like, oh, I'm awake. But coming the other way, it's not as not as good. Uh, last, lastly, kind of in wrapping up, you had just kind of mentioned you're going to the studio with Anon kind of being, uh, I keep trying to remember exactly when it came out. It's not quite a year yet that it's been out. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's only October that it, it came out. It barely even so. feels like six months. It feels like we released it like yeah. yesterday. Um, yeah, going to the studio is just kind of tidying up some vocals on a thing I did, so, um, yeah. I think with the, so with the nature of uh, the music scene at the moment, uh, everyone there's kind of this need for constant rather than like a big peak as it used to be and then like you go touring for like five years or whatever it may be depending on your album cycle um so we're kind of just trying to get into the <laughs> so should we start that question over no it's all good um so we're just trying to get into the headspace of having like um being like constantly productive rather than it used i feel like it used to be this thing of like writing towards an album and now potentially it's just writing towards having constant ideas and stuff like that. Actually, do you feel, because that's something we actually talk about quite a bit on this podcast, is the people not having the attention span to just be satisfied with a record <laughs> for two to three years, but always needing that next thing, and, you know, albums versus EPs and so forth. As such, do you actually feel like from the, the creative standpoint that that is a better outlet because it gives a fairer representation of the band's progression as it happens and it doesn't seem so drastic from just here's a record and then three years point, later? But I think it's the sort of thing where, you know, uh, I guess the downside to it and I guess, the, you know, remote what remains to be seen is that if you do do the single-based or, like, you know, if you, a couple of songs here and there, I think that, you know, if you put out, like... <clears throat> I think people are still looking for a narrative direction mm. and so everything's got to be in context because I think we're so obsessed with like the narrative of things that if we put out a song that's a bit left of field people might think that's setting a direction for where we're going when really that's just like a detour on the you know that's a 10 minute detour off the highway but we're still heading north you know it's, it's just kind of I think that's probably I guess the inherent risk with that but um but yeah um I'd say the one downside to trying to do an interview in a public a space. Yeah, it's a <laughs> I just learned how to cancel out most of the background audio of uh, from on that. Awesome. And the fun thing is, though, is it creates this nice sweeping effect of well, like when the voices are getting picked up versus any of that. But whatever. It's Maybe you can edit people in and out and just like... I'll just make it a huge time lapse. Remove thing. huge butts <laughs> and stuff. Uh, lastly, where can everyone find you and or the band online? everywhere um, yeah just all the main platforms i mean you know we use each differently and some less so than others but i mean you find one you find them all handslikehouses.net i guess is our 
website and that's where everything kind of got the Facebook, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. So you guys did a joint uh, live video last night between Facebook 360 and... <laughs> we yeah, it was, I thought it would be Interactive 360. I've got this camera that does do like a th uh, live stream, but it turns out I have to drive the direct, like I have to point it where it goes. I thought you'd be able to kind of scroll around <laughs> it live, which... Yeah, I think I caught you saying that. You're like, oh, you can scroll around. Wait, am I, do I need to do that? Ah. <sighs> Yeah, we'll get it uh, next time. We'll, we'll figure it out. There are ways to do it. I gotta try it on YouTube and see what that happens. Have you tried that? Have you tried the YouTube live thing yet? No, I don't think no. so. I'm, I'm curious to see if it does allow like it like lags like hell. Like, oh when really? You, gotcha. When you play it back, like your audio Boo, already YouTube. is like not. I don't know. I tried it the other day to do something and right. I was not impressed. Good with to know. It. Good to know. I don't know. We're just gonna play with it just to kind of see. But uh, Facebook's yeah. the winner then, I guess. Awesome. Well, thanks again. No worries, and, man. Thanks for coming Looking forward to the show tonight. Appreciate yeah. the time. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Trenton Woodley and Alexander Pearson of Hands Lake Houses. Yeah, you know, they got into uh, Detroit a day early, but, you know, fuck that. That's the one thing is, like, I would love to go out to Australia. I think it's, you know, a really beautiful place. I've always wanted to go since I was a little kid doing, you know, reports on Australia and their, you know, was it a... Uh, gross national products gnp and all that kind of stuff and what are they export and import and all those kind of things and it, it i'll tell you what they import and export it's cuddliness and cuteness of koala bears and their wildlife um <laughs> but uh it, it's one of those things for me where um uh, you know getting to to talk to them you know they were just all about having a good time and but i just kept going like yeah but that flight you know it was like what 14 hours worth of flights at least like fuck that like come on something had to suck let's open up here oh god i can you i mean for real though can you imagine being on a flight for like i mean i guess i can understand like accumulatively like okay you spent like 18 hours traveling but like could you imagine being on a flight somehow that like lasts like 12 hours no and i don't want to yeah i mean two hours like anything over four on a plane and i'm like over it so add like don't another... get me wrong I make long, long road trips. But it's at least a little bit more interactive, I guess. Because <laughs> you're actually driving? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to know that you uh, are an active participant in your driving experiences. <laughs> I do I do try to actively participate in my driving, that's for certain. There you go. Um, no, but this this was a, this is a fun chat. You know, getting to talk to... I mean, it's kind of interesting getting to talk to some people internationally. And I know, like, you know, it's kind of hard not to ask this stupid cliche, like, so you're not from America, what's that like? But, I mean shit i don't know like i just said like i've never been the, the i can now say i've been internationally i've been to canada but like that doesn't count i fucking live like two hours away from canada <laughs> yeah not even a little bit yeah yeah so i mean as i was doing an interview with the guys from shapes uh, at sonic temple festival you know uh griffin's dad obviously is bruce dickinson if you don't know that uh we don't really talk a whole lot about him or you know that whole thing but uh i had just seen that day that you know his dad put out a sake infused lager so I was like, yo, what the fuck is that like? And then, you know, it just led to us talking about like, oh, what's, what is drinking like, you know, for you coming here to the States versus, you know, drinking abroad overseas and so forth. Cause you know, everyone has different drinking experiences. And I typically, you know, almost most of the, you know, European beers I've had are not my cup of tea, but you know, it was kind of funny, you know, spoiler alert of him kind of being like, oh, you know, over here, it's just kind of like either really good or shit. Like there's no middle ground. <laughs> That's everywhere, right? Uh, you know, I guess. I don't know. I, it was funny. There was a, I think a couple of weeks ago, I had talked about some beers I had been gifted uh, via someone from my shipped uh, deliveries thing. And it was really amusing that uh, two of the beers they were talking about, it was kind of being like the beers that, you know, are they're kind of like, hey, you know, I just drink these. And I was like, oh, God, those beers are terrible. <laughs> right. I, no I, I, I didn't say that, but um, 
but no, this was a lot of fun. And like I said, uh, it was really interesting kind of getting to see the, the difference in their live show uh, from seeing them here in Grand Rapids uh, playing Joke Up, you know, about a half full room. Uh, but everyone was like super engaged and everyone was super loud and singing along to every song, even knew some of the older stuff, uh, you know, because that's the thing. This band's been around for a little while, but, you know, just kind of, I guess, like a lot of people, um, <laughs> you know, it's like the newest record's kind of like long, it's is doing well it's on you know i think it's on octane um and stuff like that but i mean the band's been around for 11 years now so and have four records under their belt so it's one of those things where it's like oh you didn't know that this band uh, had been around for as long or had as this much material but then you hear you know people uh talking and singing along you know when they're like oh this is off of uh you know our 2013 release and you know people are like getting really down with it and you're like oh shit uh, so it just kind of makes you feel like like you've been missing out on this like phenomenal thing. Like you're like, oh fuck, I guess I was stupid for not knowing who this band was until just now. Right, I get that feeling all the time, man. Trust me. People are always like, how do you know about so many bands? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I uh, I know about a lot of bands, but apparently I don't know any bands. <laughs> well, as I say, I feel like this podcast has opened you up to a lot of different bands because I'll be like, oh, I'm talking to so and so, and you're like, I have no idea who that is. Yeah, and then I have to figure it out. It's fun. It's almost like doing discography discussion, but not nearly as as critical of a dive as you have to for that podcast. That could be rough because there we have done bands on the show that I didn't know anything about, like aborted. I had no idea really, and then uh, ended up being pleasantly surprised at that. But yeah, it's it only it only really sucks is whenever somebody's like, "Check this out, it'd be really great." And you listen to it, and it's total shit. But I haven't run into that too many times, right? Um, well, we're going to kind of wrap this episode up. Uh, we are going to pose a question to you, though. Uh, we, like I said in the intro, we are in the midst. This is going to be starting our Sonic Temple Festival coverage. Um, so basically, this is an interview we did prior to Sonic Temple Festival. Everything coming up is going to be post uh, what I did there. And we have a couple episodes. Uh, I think I did about four or five chats total. We have a couple interviews that basically are 10 minutes long. Uh, talked with... Uh, Shapes, ended up talking with uh, Manuel from Zealand Ardor, talked to Joel from Killswitch. Those are all about 10 minutes, so I don't know. Would you rather us release them individually and just kind of, you know, do it, spread it out over the course of like two weeks or so and kind of get some of these out? Or would you like to hear one longer episode with all the 10 minute interviews packed in and we just kind of do a, a very <laughs> overarching, you know, just bullshit in the, in the beginning and, and talking about the things individually or kind of do intros outros for each one just real quickly kind of you know making a full episode there's a couple of different avenues that I, of how i think we could do this but you know i just kind of don't know if people are going to be like pull the discography discussion fans and be like why are these episodes so short the interview is 10 minutes and you guys talk for 40 <laughs> yeah i know right we uh we tend to have we tend to run into that those some of those fans can be uh very outspoken with their opinion which is what we encourage so right but yeah, so let us know. Uh, Dan and I are kind of figuring out what we're going to do. Um, I'm kind of of the mind of just releasing all the 10-minute ones uh, together, uh, as there's four of them, and uh, just kind of put them all together. And then, you know, because that was basically one full day for me there. Um, and then just kind of post the other two uh, afterward and make them their own, since they are more the standard affair of what we do over here. But uh, let us know in the comments. Go to Facebook uh, and all that kind of stuff. We'll give the plugs here now that we're at that point in the show. So if you would like to follow Trent and Alexander of Hands Like Houses, well, you can find the band simply enough at Hands Like Houses on everything between Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you would like to keep up with Trenton, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter at TrentonTWS. And if you would like to keep up with Alex, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter at AlexAustinHLH. 
And if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at MetalNexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus. And Dan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Daniel Terry. You can find me on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. And you can find my other podcast, Discography Discussion, at DiscussMetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can find us simply at Bruce Speak Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can email us at BrutallySpeaking at gmail.com. And if you would like to keep up with our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can find them at TheBeanBastard.com. Facebook and Instagram are at The Bean Bastard. And for The Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. We will talk to you all next time.